Hey, good people, this is Ray and I down back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, starting off with two words, empathic and neurotic. Empathic and neurotic. And actually, there are four words that I have um, in my mind. Empathic, neurotic, narcissistic, and character uh, character disturbed. So it's not four words, but it's four framing. Empathic, neurotic, narcissistic, and character, character disturbed. And, um, those four words are streaming around in my consciousness this morning. It's a Tuesday morning because there is an event that I had yesterday as Monday that connected to an event that I had on, a, on Saturday. Excuse me. That, so I had two experiences yesterday that connected with the two experiences I had on Saturday. And, uh, yesterday, because of one of the events from yesterday, I really, really wanted to process it. I was really having a, a reaction to it, but I could not access all the words. I could not access the words to what I was perceiving. That's a difficult place as an NI Dom to perceive something, to know it's in there. I talk about knowing it, it knowing it all, yet knowing none of it, because I don't have the words for it yet. And so as the day progressed by the, this situation happened, like, let's say be, between 10 and 12 um, in the morning. Um, and then by the, as the day progressed, I started getting clarity about what it was that I had perceived earlier, but it wasn't done. And this morning I woke up with a really interesting probability of what what's happened. A phenomenon is happening, and I woke up this morning with a strong sense of what could be happening. I'm not ready to lock it in. That's what I want to do in this reflection. I want to see if the, the probability that I woke up with this morning a theory that I woke up with this morning. I want to flush it out with you all to see if it is, if I can say that that's the theory of the case. That's the theory of the case. I'm going to lock it in. And right now, I don't know if I want to lock it in yet. I got to unpack it. So the way I'm starting this reflection would be those two words, but know that the, all four of those words are there. This is related to intergenerational trauma. Just so to give you a heads up, this reflection is... Located in intergenerational trauma. And it is also a reflection that is intriguing me because I haven't done any intergenerational trauma reflections for season four. I don't think I've had, a, if I have, they've not been significant. They've not been like the way, not, the way I feel now. So I feel, um, right now I'm feeling... Maybe I want to, I don't even know that I can't even put the feel, the word to the feeling, but I don't feel a sense of order and clarity. And so I can emotionally, I feel, okay, here it is. Emotionally, I feel disorganized. There it is. I feel disorganized. I really do. So I'm a, this is actually take two. For me, I, I did a reflection and I, I deleted it 
because I don't like the feeling that I'm having in doing this reflection. But I want to get to the theory of the case. I want to get to the theory of, case, of the case. So I'm going to push through. So bear with me if this is a longer reflection or if it's just a chaotic one. Just bear with me because I want to push through this, this feeling so I can get to the theory of the case. So I don't have to be disorganized in moving forward. All right. I don't want, that's what I should call this reflection, disorganized. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, you guys, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, pushing those two systems together. I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I am a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to power in the social world. Power as connected to social constructs such as race, class, gender, gender and sexuality. Um, I give you all of that, all of these disclaimers so you can have context to my reflection process. Um, it's not just enough for me to say I'm an INTJ. It's not enough for me to just say I'm a black woman, right? All of this comes together to influence how I perceive and how I respond to that in which I perceive. This project is unedited, is unscripted. If you want to know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. So there are three. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the event from yesterday. And in order to do that, I have to talk a little bit about the event from Saturday. And this is here where I become disorganized emotionally. So I really cross your fingers as you're listening to this, um, send out a prayer, some smoke signals, whatever you have to do to help me to stay focused because there is a greater reflection around empathic, narcissistic, um, narcissistic, excuse me, empathic, neurotic, narcissistic and character disturbed uh, that I'd love to get to and I won't be able to get to that if I lose myself in this uh the stories that I'm going to share but I want to give you a little bit of the story uh, maybe I don't need to but I want to maybe I need to do it for myself so we'll see so two days um today today is Tuesday morning um um Saturday I was hanging out with some new friends. I've been doing this thing. I've started calling this like potluck, um, potluck on the porch where, or just potlucking it for the summer. So when some friends want to get together and you want to go to a, a restaurant, yeah, we can go to a restaurant or we can just, we can go and be on someone's porch, on someone's patio in somebody's backyard, bringing different, bringing foods together and we can just eat healthy and save money and have privacy and all of that. So I did my first potlucking with some new friends on Saturday. Went to, um, went to one person's house. It was lovely. It was just lovely. Um, in my way, on my way home at about nine o'clock, my single sister sent me a text and said, what are you doing? And she said, can I come over for a little bit? I said, sure. I said, meet me at the, I said, I'm not at home right now. Meet me at the house at nine 30. Pause. If you are, um, you've been following this project, you might be a little surprised that my single sister would call me and say, Hey, I want to come over. And you would be even more surprised for me to, see, to hear me say, Sure, 
You can't. And that's because um, in the fall, I was so bothered by my single sister that um, I had, I pretty much resolved, I'm done with her. Now, in that resolution of being done with her, that didn't mean I was done loving her. I, it didn't mean I was done um, respecting her. And it didn't mean I didn't, I was done appreciating who she is in the world. And this is what I believe connects to these two terms, empathic and neurotic. All right, this is, I'm curious about that. But I was, I was seriously just done with having those kind of exchanges. Okay. That was October. It was September, but it went into October, right? And then in April, my double sister came and surprised me for my birthday. And she was here for me for about, with me for about four days. Um, that incidentally connected me to my, um, accidentally, connected me to my single sister because we went out from my double sister and I went out for my birthday and we ran into my, um, our single sister and my, my double sister has not resolved to be done with my single sister. As a matter of fact, my double sister has resolved to increase her relationship with my single sister. And that is something this morning I am feeling ready to address in a way that I could not address until this, until this morning. Um, so if you are new to this project, you don't know that I'm saying single sister as in a half sister. Um, she's my sister by my father. My double sister is my sister that was by my mother and my father. And we were raised in a house together and we are, we are resolved to being sisters and everything that it, that means. And so when there's, we are resolved to resolve conflict and to have similar thinking and, and we have made that resolution because it's been the two of us. Oh boy. This is, this is where I'm going to become undone. I'm going to tell you, expect to hear me cry. <laughs> this is where I become undone. This is where I become emotionally disorganized. There's so much located here. And I don't know if I said it already because I've had several takes of this episode of me trying to hit this record, but I've really been struggling this morning with it. So if I'm on repeat, please forgive me. Um, but um, I, I just lost. Oh, I thought I, I haven't had a lot of um, trauma-based reflections in season four. Not that I think I'm all done with trauma and I've, but I mean, I've done some really good work around trauma through this project. And so I, once I have a breakthrough on something, once I get something, I don't linger there. Most of the time when I become emotionally disorganized is because I don't have an intellectual framing for a thing. I, it's, uh, I become emotionally disorganized when co- cognitively I'm, I'm having some, when I'm having some cognitive dissonance that I cannot resolve. I've talked about this before. Like I love a little cognitive dissonance that make me, you know, requires me to learn and grow to close the gap. 
But when that cognitive dissonance is so extreme and I'm attempting to resolve it intellectually and I cannot, then I become emotionally undone or emotionally disorganized. I think that's the best way to say it. Um, And I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I don't like it. So let me settle because I'm already feeling myself getting amped up again. Let me settle. (laughs) So, um, so my double sister, um, um, and I ran into my single sister. I'm going to call my single sister Riley just to give her a name. We ran into Riley when my double sister came for my birthday and it was not planned because apparently my double sister and Riley had some kind of conversation about why my double sister didn't make plans to see Riley. And I, I, this is all hearsay. I didn't witness it. My, my double sister said she was here to celebrate my birthday and knowing that we don't, we don't really get along. She couldn't bring Riley around. Right. So then it puts my sister, my double sister in this place and like I told her yesterday on the phone I don't want to put I don't want you in that place so I'm getting ready to free you from that place of being in the middle because she was like it stresses her out and she doesn't want it well I'm gonna now help you because I know I was putting some I had some expectations for my double sister that was creating this tension that she was now have to gonna have to be the middle person between the two of us and no I'm done with that I I, I can I, I said it to her yesterday but I didn't know how I was going to be done with it. But I knew emotionally, I knew emotionally and in, intellectually that I don't want to put you in a situation where you're in the middle and you're stressed out. I love you too much for that. So if that, and I told her this on the phone, I told my double sister on the phone yesterday, I said, if that means I have to let you go and have that relationship with her, I'm going to have to do that. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it because I said, I don't, you and I being double sisters, what I love about that, I love about her having as a double sister is that we don't have, there's no family member that she has that I don't have. There's no family member that I have that she doesn't have. Like that's just even friends, even my friends, my sister really wants to be connected to my friends. Like it's just the way we've been connected to each other. And that could very well be out of trauma. I was thinking about this yesterday. So one of the forms of trauma that we experience, and this is not the only, one of the forms of trauma that we experience is my father physically abusing my mother. And being that my sister and I are five years apart, one of the ways I cope with that violence in the house, because I would, I would could see it, I could hear it, and it had a sound. I would go and get my my baby sister at the time she was the baby sister my double sister she was a baby I would get her take us to a room shut the door had a little record player and turn the music up loud to block out the noise and that just every time I think about that as a oh my god I don't in my mind I don't walk around holding that memory but when I think about that um I think about um excuse me you guys (laughs) I'm sorry I told you this is going to be emotional I think about um, what kind of burden that is for a five years. I'm an, a five year old. I'm an educator. I work with kids, and I think that's what I'm grieving right now. To think that a five year old child has the burden of protecting a baby in a house that's violent. Like 
the adult me is grieving the five-year-old me. Like, oh, crap. That was a shitty place to be in. Excuse me. So there's that. Because like I said, I'm not walking around in my in my mind <laughs> thinking about that. But just as an educator thinking about understanding what I know about child psychology, wow, that's, that's just a really unfortunate thing. So my sister and I kind of grew up in this, um, it is a trauma bond. And I started using the term trauma bond with my sister back at Christmas time. I said, you think we have a trauma bond? You think our bond is exclusively around trauma? And that as we heal, our relationship is going to come apart because we're close. Our closest, our intimacy is located, is tethered by the trauma. And then my sister was like, I don't think so. I don't like to think that our our bond is negative, I said. And I get it. I don't want to either, but I'm today I'm revisiting that possibility. And we have a trauma bond. And so there's this closest that she and I have. And yeah, I, I, there's something I can say, say more of this, but I, I just want to leave it here for now. I'll, I'll come back to it. Um, so, okay, let me try to regroup in this story. So my, um, Riley, my single sister, and my double sister are trying to find their way in their relationship. We didn't just find out about Riley. We weren't we weren't raised with Riley in a house with us. We've known about her for thirteen excuse me thirteen years now. No, 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 no. Yeah, we've known about her for thirteen. Cannot no excuse me, not thirteen years. One more time. 23 years. There it is. (laughs) We've known about her for 23 years. And um, I'm 51. My sister, my double sister is 46. So um, we've known about her about almost half of our lives, right? And so that, yeah, that's... So to be doing this closeness thing that my double sister is doing now, to me, is is distinct. It should be noted. It isn't the first time that she's attempted to be close with my, with Riley. It is not the first time. But the closeness that they are trying to have now has not been consistent over the 23 years of us finding out that she's our sister. So it wasn't like when she was born, we knew we were having a baby, a baby sister is born, being born. It wasn't that situation. She, for the first seven years of her life, was raised to believe somebody else was her father. And then after year seven, it came to be that, that she was not this other man's child, that she was our father's child. And, and then there was just trying to figure out in this space where my, my dad just didn't do build family. He didn't bring family together, although he wanted family to be together. He didn't have the ability to, to bring us all together and as one unified, um, unit. So we have a half brother. My father has a son who he had two years before I came along in the world. He didn't. So he, my brother is the only offspring of my father that 
his mom wasn't married. The mom wasn't married to my dad. So my double sister and I, our mother was married to my father first. And then my single Riley mom was married to my dad. And she's now a widow. So, you know, she, so she's married to my father. And, um, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm off. I'm somewhere. I don't need to be. Damn it. I'm somewhere. I don't need to be in this reflection. Let me try to get, hold on. I'm going to put you guys on hold for a second. So anyway, it doesn't matter. So we just weren't raised with this closeness and we've been trying to find my double sister and I have been trying to on our own develop a relationship with her on our own. And honestly, up until recently, and maybe this is something I need to tell my double sister. Up until recently, we've never attempted to do that together. That's a good point. This is a good point. This is interesting. We've never attempted to have a relationship with my saint, with Riley together. Now, that came up in a conversation uh, yesterday when I was talking to, when I was talking to my double sister, because it was there was some. It's a story I wanted to tell you, but I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into that story. But at the end of the conversation I had with my double sister about the two experiences I had with my single sister, my double sister said, um, "Maybe we need to sit down with her together and tell her together that these are the things." That we stand for. Because my single sister in trying to develop a closeness with us is trying is um and, and as separate entities. And being that she's from her own trauma, she's she does these little things. She I don't think she knows her way. I you know what, this is really good. I mean, I think this is important. She doesn't know how to navigate that. Because of her trauma, she doesn't know how to navigate the relationship with us individually without stirring up drama because she's from that. And we, as from intergenerational trauma, we're all from the from drama and how we all handle it differently is it's within our, I mean, that's, that's what we do. But I also think, and my double sister will attest to this, we have, my double sister and I have committed to therapy. We've been committed to doing healing work. I've, you know, in a way that my other siblings have not been interested in. And so last week, my double sister sent a text message to all, all four of my father's kids because Father Jay was coming up and was just bringing up a lot of, just a lot of pain and a lot of confusion. And then now we're all trying to be close together in this pain, we've never had healing and we've all had this. We have had individual drama with our father. And then because of who our dad was, we've had inter, intra uh, drama with each other because of that. It's never been resolved. So it's hard to like say we're going to do this family love sibling thing when we've never, We've never been united in love. Oh my God, this is so good. We've been united in trauma. We've been united in chaos. 
So now we're trying to create a love thing without unpacking the trauma thing. Okay. 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 (laughs) So I'm having an emotional reaction because I'm thinking again, how unfortunate that, you know, and I'm like, me with a background in psych, I should have known this sooner. So she, each, each, each sibling is trying to make their way throughout this family ship, if you will, in their own unique way. And what my, what Riley, my single sister, uh, begrudges with me as the oldest sister is that I have a way of doing the trauma work in a way that appears to be superior. And her thing is the way you're, you're not right either. She wants to put me on par with her. And in some regard, I do understand that. Like who's to say that my way of going and like, Oh, I'm going to go do trauma work. I'm going to go do healing work. I'm going to, you know, go and do therapy. Who's to say that it's superior to the way you're doing it. And I'm not, I'm not going to list the ways that, my sister has revealed to me, my single sister has revealed to me that she does trauma work. I'm not going to reveal that, but it is, in my mind, it is superior. But I can understand and appreciate how my single sister may be off put by that. Who do you think you are? That your way is better than my way. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than me? That's how she perceives it. Okay, I actually feel better by this particular breakthrough. This was, this was an unexpected breakthrough. See, this is why I kind of never got on this recording because I'm like, there are some goodies here that I can't unpack unless I'm talking it out loud. Um, unless I, uh, I extrovert this part of me. Um, because what I'm doing is using my extroverted thinking function to organize the disorganized part. I'm outwardly organizing the internal disorganization, if you will. Yeah, I like that. That's exactly what I do in this podcast. I outwardly organize the internal disorganization. Okay. That's what I'm going to name this episode. Goodbye. (laughs) No, I'm not done. Okay. So I do feel a lot better though. Um, so they, so I think my, I think in the space of, um, I really do think that that's the bottom line. I don't even know if I need to give you the story of what happened. Um, so, so Saturday night when my, when Riley came over to the house, she was not in a good space. She, you know, she was overly inebriated and, um, I didn't know what else. And it, and then we were going to go out. She wanted to go out. And then I was like, Oh, there's karaoke up the street. And then we were going to go. And then all of a sudden she abruptly stormed out of the house. And I'm like, what's going on? I got to go. I got to go. She was like, I got to go. I got to go. But then because she wasn't, she was clearly intoxicated. Clearly, I'm like, you don't know, don't go, don't go. So I, I'm now like 
trying to keep her in the house, but I don't want to touch her because I don't want us to have a physical fight. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to reason with her, like stick around. And so we did that for a little while. And then she, she left out the outside. I followed her outside. I didn't have any shoes on. I'm following her down the street, trying to get her to, trying to pass time so that whatever that, whatever she's under, uh, whatever influence she's under would, would run off. So I hope I helped her help. I hope I held her long enough, but I could not physically, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Abstain, sustain, physically hold, detain. There it is. I could not physically detain her. And so she, um, ended up leaving. So I called my double sister and I said, Hey, can you call and check up on her? Make sure that she made, made it to her destination. Okay. I find out the next morning that my double sister didn't do that. She said, because I don't want her to think that the two of us were ganging up on her. She's a grown up. My double sister says it's about Riley. She's an adult. She's an adult. And if she wants to make those decisions, let her make those decisions. Okay. Okay. There's a lot in that, but okay. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll try to follow that lead. Um, so that was Saturday. Sunday, I didn't get a, Sunday was Father's Day. I was doing my own thing. Nope. Sunday, yes, Sunday was Father's Day. That was, that was his own story. I did a reflection with you all. I wanted to come and do a reflection on Father's Day, but I just couldn't get one out. I tried two times. I just couldn't do it. So, um, so, but it was okay. I was okay Sunday. I, I had some time to do some grieving. Um, uh, my, uh, one of my maternal cousins came over where we were, um, we called each other sister cousins because our grandmother had a hand in raising us. And so she called randomly and said, Hey, cuz, what are you doing? That's nothing. She said, Can I come over? And so she came over and she sat with me. And I said, What are you doing here? Nothing. But I realized she was sitting with me because she knew this was the first Father's Day that I had without my dad. I thought that was just so sweet. So she came and sat with me. So that was Sunday. And then Monday morning, I woke up. My single sister had sent some text messages apologizing about how she showed up and how she abruptly left. And I thought that was really good. I thought it was good. That was Sunday. That was that was Monday morning. That was like Monday morning, like at one o'clock. So um, I'm getting up, getting ready to go to get a scale. Cause I'm trying to weigh down again, trying to lose weight again. And I had to go get a new scale. And, um, my, um, my single sister sends me another text message. What are you doing? Again, she said, what are you doing? And I said, um, I'm going to go to, to Walmart. No, she said, you want to go for coffee? And I said, well, I'm going to go to Walmart right quick. And this is not a plug for Walmart. I hate that I just said that. I don't usually go to, I'm not a shopper anyway, but anyway, Went to the store to um, 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 get a scale. She was like, "She, um, I'm feeling a little disorganized again. Give me a second. Um, so via the text, she asked me if you want to go to coffee. I said, sure. I said, but I got to go to the store. I said, do you want to come with? 
which is really weird that I would do that. But I, it's so I'm confused because I think what I'm trying to do, maybe what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to have some connection with her so that I can have connection with my double sister. And the fact is that I don't, that I genuinely do love my single sister. I genuinely love her, respect her, and appreciate her. I mean, I genuinely do. So I don't think this is just because I'm trying to stay close with my double sister. At least I hope not. But when I go to therapy again, you better believe I'm going to be bringing this up. So, um, so as I sent her the text, do you want to come to the store with me? And I waited for a couple of seconds. And well, she didn't respond. So I started backing out of the driveway. As I was backing out the driveway, she was walking up on my porch. I never invited her to the house. So she did a drop by. That's going to be significant to talk about in another reflection. I'm not going to derail right now. So we ended up going to the store. That wasn't completely pleasurable for me, but I was trying to stay in a really good space. Then we ended up going to the coffee shop to talk. And then it ended south. It went south because I wanted to analyze. I wanted to unpack this thing that keeps happening with us. And her thing is she wants to just move forward. This is exactly how my dad was. Exactly wanting to move forward. And I'm saying you cannot move forward. That's not working. That moving forward is not working. It's not working for us. And her thing is that we have a problem with each other just because we don't know each other because we don't spend time together. She doesn't understand. I don't want to spend time with somebody I don't feel good feel good around. I don't want to spend time with you, uh, with somebody I don't feel good with. But I didn't know I said it, but I was really struggling. So anyway, you guys, um, so it... So I ended up crying because I told her what I experienced at the funeral. Um, what I experienced at the funeral was really, um, was, uh, was painful. And I said it was really painful and I was really hurt by the things that you did. And so she said, do you think we're close? And I said, no. I said, she said, well, how can somebody hurt you that, that you're not close to? And I sat with that. I mean, I must have sat with it for about seven minutes. And then she's like, oh, have I said something that the doctor can't answer? Okay, we're going to park that. We're not going to talk about that one either. <laughs> we're not going to touch that. And I said, it took me a minute. And I was like, no, I do think somebody can hurt you that you're not close to. Because you can have an expectation. And I said, I don't know if that expectation is right, but that's what, at least that's what, what is bothering me because, and here's the thing, we're not close, but I still love you. I still love you. I still appreciate you. I still respect you. But in her thinking, well, if we're not close, I can't hurt you. What I'm wondering this morning is if you're acting out because we're not close. So the things that you did at the funeral was because we're not close as being retaliatory. I don't know. She also told me some things yesterday that, that really, that also hurt me. Um, they were around her mother 
And now she's trying to make a case if I have an issue with her mom. I have an issue. I've never, I've never said one thing about my stepmother. I knew that my stepmother was in love with my father. And I knew that most of the time I was trying to navigate my relationship with him. And because, and up until, and there was no way to have a relationship with my stepmother without also having a relationship with my dad. And I didn't want to do that. Also, prior to my, my stepmother had a stroke, so she was very dependent on my dad. Prior to her having that stroke, she never fostered that kind of mother-daughter relationship with us. Picking us up, taking us place, and doing things. So now my father wanted me to do these things, and now my sister wants me to pick up my stepmother and and bond with her. And I, and I'm not saying that's a terrible idea. What I'm saying that right now, as I'm grieving the loss of my father, that's not the way I grieve. I need to do some self care. I need to be around people who can love on me. My stepmother can't. She can't really do that. It doesn't mean that she doesn't love me. She can't love on me. And she didn't love on me prior to her having the stroke. I don't have any any ill feelings about that. I genuinely don't. But in terms of, I, I guess I'm in defense mode. Because I never even thought this would ever come up. I never thought I would have to explain why I'm not going to pick her up and doing things with her. I don't know. I don't understand the expectation. There's an expectation that I'm supposed to do that. And I'm struggling with that expectation because where is it really born? Where is it really derived? Who sets that expectation? So in the space of me not understanding that expectation, I'm now trying to, I'm now trying to make a case. Um, and so what my single sister, what Riley is doing is saying, well, because you're not coming to pick up my mom and you're not trying to spend time with her, you must have an issue with her. Because our because my double sister, she when she comes to town, she attempts to go spend time with my um my step my stepmom. And now she's planning on bringing my stepmom back to um back home with her in the south. And so my single, Riley is like, well, um, let me, let me come up with a name for my double sister. Oh gosh. Charlie. I'm going to give that name to my sis, my double sister. Well, Charlie is doing it. And I said, well, that's Charlie. And I called Charlie yesterday, my double sister. And I was like, no offense to you. I love that you are, this is your love language. This is what you do. But I don't have to do that to show somebody that I love them. I don't have to act out love. I don't have to carry out love the way you do it. And to my sister's credit, to Charlie's credit, Charlie said, no, you don't show love that way. But you do love, you know, she said, if you, you love people by helping them get to root issues. You help them by researching, uh, helping them find programs. Um, you you love on them by solving problems for them. I don't love on people by acting out as solutions. Someone else has solved the problem and I act out the solution. I'm a problem solver, and so that's if you that's how I do love. 
out of my uh, out of my INTJ self. And when you cut that part of me out, when you cut me from that, it is a deep. It's 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 hurtful for me. Okay, so I I feel like I just had another breakthrough in in terms of that um in terms of me needing to act out love in my INTJ problem solving self. Me feeling pain when I'm not allowed to act out of my INTJ problem solving self. Like those are two distinctions that I feel are really important that just came out of me. In addition to my sing, my, excuse me, my single sister Riley trying to navigate her way into now these sisters that she has, uh, but has never, never had any support in having a love ship. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to close and uh, I'm going to come back and talk about that neurotic and um, I'm going to come back and do another episode on neurotic and um, empathic because it does connect to this. I'm going to do a separate, uh, but I'm going to put it in a separate reflection. But let me say this and then I'm going to close. If you're still listening to me, bless you because like I said, I told you uh, this is going to be a chaotic reflection just because I was really in some very raw emotions. Uh, but thank you for existing because I literally feel like um, some really good nuggets popped out. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday as I close. I was thinking about um, recently I found $50. I, I found $50 actually the weekend of my birthday. And, uh, and I somehow forgot about the $50 because I haven't, uh, I never put it in the bank and I never spent it. That's a separate story. <laughs> so I have this like jar where I put pet, like change from my purse. And when I'm cleaning out my purse, I just throw it in. Sometimes I have single dollar bills and I'll throw it in the jar. And that's been something I've done because over the summer, educators, we don't get paid. So that's usually like my summer reserve. Like, oh, I've got some money here. So the other day, um, I had taken out $100 from the ATM machine in $20 bills. And because I was out somewhere that didn't use a card, so we had to use, it was cash only. And um, uh, so I um, took out $100, five 20s, and I only used 120. And then the next day I was like, oh, where did, where did those other 20s go? I couldn't find them. Make a long story short, I had put those other 20s in this jar. So when I was went in the jar to make sure that I hadn't lost the money, I saw the $50 bill. I was like, all right, I forgot about this 50. I found this 50 for my birthday. And so then it made me think about um, I have found I found a $50 bill another time. And this time I found a $50 bill. I was driving. So this is, so I was trying to do a, ref, a reflection for Father's Day about mysticism. And you're like, what does mysticism have to do with Father's Day? Well, because there were some things that were happening on Father's Day that felt kind of mystical for me. So I wanted to make that connection. But anyway, but check this out. So I'm driving down the street. I have to be somewhere in my mid, um, Somewhere in my mid-30s. I'm at a stop sign. And I see some paper floating in the air. And I'm in a part of town. 
that's got a lot of stuff floating in the air, a lot of paper on the ground, right? I'm in a resource-deprived uh, area of the town. So you see paper running around. It's not a big deal. So why did this piece of paper catch my attention? I'm at a stoplight. I put my car in park. I get out to grab that paper. It was a $50 bill. I know you guys don't <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if you believe that because that's kind of unbelievable to me. So that was in my mid-30s. And then I remember this. Um, I had to be about 18. I don't know. And I was walking and I saw a $100 bill on the ground. And when I found that $100 bill, I told my mother. And what my mother said was, it was around Christmas time. My mother said, well, now you... You used that money. It was it was I it may, I may have been seventeen, because I was young enough for my mother to give me direction on how I should spend that hundred dollar bill, that hundred dollars. And so she told me, you use that money to buy um, to do your to do your uh, Christmas gifts to your parents on behalf of your, you and your sister. You do your because my mom would usually give us money so we can get my dad a, a, a gift. My dad never gave us money so we can give my mother a gift. But our Father's Day gifts or our Christmas gifts to our dad, my mother would fund. Isn't that interesting? I never thought about that until just now. So um, so I had a $100 bill. So then I was thinking yesterday, let's come back to the present tense. How is it that I, I said, I wonder do other people find money like that? And I find I found a quarter recently. And I picked it up. I found a quarter maybe two weeks ago. And I picked it up off the ground. Well, I took it. So I was like, do other people find money like I on the ground like I do? And then I'm like, well, why do I find money? Well, I think when I'm walking, most of the time I walk, I walk with my, I don't even know if I walk with my head down. That's my way of thinking. Like when I'm trying to access my, this abstract brain, place in my mind, I, I look, I may look down or do I look up? I don't know, but I find money often. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I'm closing here because I think about how my mom told me how I took that hundred dollar bill to purchase something for my sister. It was just the two of us. You know, I think this is a good way to end. It was the two of us. I took that money and I spent it on us. It was not a doubt. There was not a second thought in my mind that my mom told me to do that, that, that I did. I was raised to be her protector, to look out for her. I took punishments for her. I got spankings for her when, when, if she did, I mean, some of this borderlines on inappropriate. Um, but that was kind of the psyche that I grew up with. Um, I'm responsible for her. If she does something wrong, I'm responsible for that, right? And so, um, in many ways, what's happening for me this morning, in, and actually this morning when I hit the record button, I'm more focused on my single sister. But as I've been talking in this reflection, there is a phenomenon in this theory of the case that I want to, that I'm wondering is that it's not about my single sister. Mm -mm, that's not true. I'm wondering if there's a phenomenon that's happening with my double sister. And I think with both, 
my single sister and my double sister is a situation that I need to consider around uh, being empathic or neurotic. And that's where I'm going to hit stop here and, and start the next reflection on those two concepts. Um, I don't know how this reflection is going to sound. I, I, I think I've told you guys, I don't really like the reflections where I'm doing a lot of storytelling, trauma-based storytelling, but I don't know if I would have been able to talk about, uh, neuroticism and, or let me say it differently. about empaths and neurotics. I don't know if I would have been able to to have that conversation the way I want to talk about it without giving you some of the context, some of the familial and the emotional context uh, of that, of the theory of the, of, of the phenomenon that I think I'm, that I think I'm trying to tackle. So this is definitely part one. It is the most drama-driven part of this. I hope to come back and be a little more composed and a little more intellectual. <laughs> Sound a little more smart. <laughs> Sound a little more rational than how I've sound, have, how I've come across in this reflection. But it is what it is. It really, really, really is what it is. So if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about... um sibling dynamic in a blended family really a sibling sibling dynamics in a blending family in a blended family in a traumatized family I, I don't even know everything I was talking about I was really you know I just have been really deep inside of myself as I was talking so this is all I can recall right now. If that, if these two considerations, or if there was other things, if there were other things I talked about that I'm not recalling right now, if any of that relates to a conversation you had in the world, would you please take this link and share it with those participants? If my moving about in this uh, reflection has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear it. Um, um, you can find me on my website at yourandidom.wordpress.com. You can find me on Twitter, you're in IDOM1, and you can find me on Facebook and YouTube, you're in IDOM. Let me give you your assignment. I think I'm going to name this episode Blended Family Blues, even though I don't know if that's the best framing. But let me explain to you why I'm entitling it that. So there is some blended family dynamics happening here, right? My father, which actually three families, because I didn't even really talk about some of the dynamic with my brother. So my dad had three baby mamas, basically. And so my brother comes from the third mother. And so how he interacted with those women differently impacted how he interacted with those kids. And then how those kids had to be on our, we had to be on our own trying to have a relationship with each other that mainly has been pronounced since he has passed. And I take some exception of that. My mother, I was talking to my mom a little bit about it yesterday. And she said, um, she said, 
you got the, out of all four of the kids, you got the best of your father. And I think I did in terms of the, I got the, not the most of his love, but I got him at his healthiest. You know, I got him in a time of his life when he was the healthiest. When I was born, and even though I was, as a child, being in a house with the physical violence, that was still the healthiest because he was not retaliating against me. Now, my sister, my double sister, had experienced my dad differently as a child than I experienced him. And my single sister definitely experienced him different and my brothers. So we all had these different really experiences with him. And I believe all of that, that's the common denominator. One of the things I was going to say earlier is when you're a sibling, when you have a sister or brother, your parents foster that relationship initially. You don't come out of the womb saying, oh, we're close. That closest is derived out of the environment and the conditions established by the parent or the parents. That's what my mom did with my sister and I. My father did not facilitate a closeness with my mother, my sister between um, Charlie and myself. My mom did. I guess I could name it Charlie and Riley. I wonder if that's a better title. Charlie and Riley. I like it. That's, that's kind of cute, right? People will be like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm, it'll be interesting to see which, which one I, I resolve. I really like the title, Charlie and Riley, because, um, but I don't think it communicates better than blended family blues. Oh my goodness. Can we take a vote? But, um, anyway, my, um, I don't know where, where I just lost. But my mom, my, my dad didn't foster that closeness. My mom did. And so no one has fostered this closeness with the four of us. And now we're on our own trying to do it. And we each carry with us individual trauma. We carry individual trauma. And having that individual trauma, trying to do relationship with each other, with other people who also have individual trauma in the absence of having any type of leadership or facilitation on trying to be close is, is, um, it is significant. So I really feel like this was the part of the reflection I absolutely needed. I feel better now getting ready to go do the other reflection for, uh, neurotic and empathic but um let me give you your time so my question to you is do you when you do you have a sibling or is there a family member that you're close to think about how that closeness was facilitated if there's a family member that you were close to from a child from childhood think about the access to that closeness or you know what it doesn't even matter how old you are Think about somebody you're close to and think about how, what was your access point into that closeness? Where did the closest come from? Like sometimes people can intentionally facilitate closeness and sometimes they unintentionally facilitate closeness by way of some trauma, right? So I guess in a way, 
in a way, my father indirectly uh, facilitated closeness with my sister when he tried to do this division between us. And my sister and I made a decision, no, we're not going to let you come between us. So that was an indirect facilitation of, of closeness. So think about somebody you're close to and think about what was your access point to that closeness. What were the direct access points to closeness and what were the indirect access points to closeness? That's all I have for you. Um, I'm sorry you hear the dogs. They're not mine. They're my neighbors. And I guess if I really wanted to push you guys in this homework assignment, I could say think about someone you're close to that also has some embedded pain or confusion or darkness or toxicity. And if you don't have anybody that you're close to that also has that kind of pairing, good for you. But I think there are many people out in the world where we're close to people. We um, are we are in unhealthy relationships. We're in unhealthy. We have unhealthy closeness. Unhealthy closeness. Mm-mm-mm. That is the perfect way to start the next reflection. Unhealthy closeness. But in terms of you think about think about somebody you have an unhealthy. But you may not know you have an unhealthy closeness. Uh, So you may not know that. I'm going to leave the assignment as it is. If you guys want me to play with this assignment for you, if you you do have an unhealthy relationship with somebody or you think you might, feel free to send me a message and say, I want that other assignment, that other assignment that you didn't give us. I would be here to do that for you. So feel free to contact me if you want me to send, you know, I won't talk to you by phone, but if you email me or, or private message me, on Twitter or YouTube. No, that's public though. So there are three ways you guys have contacted me so far. My website, Twitter, and YouTube. I have not had anyone who contacted me on Facebook yet. Um, but if you want me to help you think through um, unhealthy closeness with someone, I will. And I think you will really appreciate that when I come back and do my second part two on neurotics and, um, and empaths. All right. All right, you guys. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.